Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 476. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you how it's time to think bigger. He's really sharing his story, how he overcame self-sabotage, and ultimately how you have to look at your current self-image and create that new identity, that version 2.0, to create change in your life. Before we dive into today's podcast, I want to remind you that my new membership community, Unlimited, is now open. I will be going live every single week with this new community of people and we're doing the work. If you are seeking accountability and resources and structure and clarity on how to create change in your life, I invite you to join us. You can learn more directly on my website, heatherhakes.com. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Job Neil. Job, welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Heather. For those who are new to you, please give a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm in Geelong in Australia. It's um, close to Melbourne, if you haven't heard of it. And I'm a marketing consultant. So I work with um, a lot of experts that have trouble trying to get across what they do and how they help people so that people can understand it. Well, and obviously that's big, I think in any industry, but I've experienced a lot, obviously in coaching, it's like, it's hard to make it tangible and share what you really provide the value, right? For clients. So that's amazing that you can help people do that. Here's what I, I want you to share more of, because what we've been talking about behind the scenes is that, you know, this isn't what you've always been doing, that you at first were chasing the desire to be you know, a, a poker player and then got yourself into quite a bit of debt. So I'd love for you to share more of that story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So um, in my first uh, year of uni after after school, I started getting into online poker. Now, a few, a few of my friends had always been into gambling, but it always been, you know, horses and, you know, whatever you could bet online with. Um, I wasn't really drawn to any of that, um, but I loved games. I love like playing any sort of, I still do. I still love playing any sort of game where there's a bit of strategy behind it and you're playing against other people. So for me, like poker was something that was very attractive in the beginning. Um, and I started watching it religiously on YouTube. I would watch all the players play. I would try and learn as much as I could and I got a online account and started playing and um, I would progressively because I didn't have a lot of money at the time I would work up like 25 50 dollars to a thousand one thousand five hundred dollars and then lose it all in one day 
So maybe like a month's work of playing like eight hours a day, um, five, six days a week, you know, it would all be gone in one day purely because, um, and in, in, in the game, they, they call it going on tilt where you sort of have one, one bad thing happens. So you sort of double down trying to recoup your losses and you just keep going and you're sort of very emotional and you can't like, you just find it very hard to get back to thinking about thinking about everything objectively. And I repeated that cycle. Maybe I, I assume it was $30,000. Cause I assume that it was at least 30 times that I hadn't made that like that. I, that I'd gone through that. It could have been more if I'm honest. Um, but I think the main thing around that was me trying to chase this idea of being successful. I didn't enjoy what I was doing in university and the idea of being like this pro poker player. And this thing that I was so interested in was like a really cool reality. Like that just seemed like something that was, I felt like I was meant to do. I felt like I was, there was a lot of inner dialogue that was justifying what I was doing and then the path I was trying to go on. So, um, pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now, back to regular programming. It wasn't until, yeah, and I'd had, by the time I'd lost around that $30,000 mark, I'd had a lot of conversations around in my head because I wasn't open, openly talking about this with other people, um, whether or not I should stop. And I, and it was kind of like that sunken cost. I kind of felt like I had already put so much in. I didn't have anything else. Um, and it wasn't until a friend of mine came to me and said like, you know, do you want to start a business together? Like we can do this e-commerce stuff. We don't have to put any money down, you know, and sort of sold the idea of being a business owner. And to me, that was, it filled the same sense of success that I was searching for through poker. So I, I was really able to cut it out pretty much cold turkey. Um, I still played sporadically at little times, putting a little bit of money in, but it just didn't have that same. Chokehold. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for me, I'm, I think it's funny. I think gambling for a lot of people, I talk about it being um, you're chasing the highs. And for me, I, I sort of see it a little bit differently. I think you're chasing this identity mm. behind it. Like even my friends have been on horses and, and other things like that. There's a social element to it. They kind of pick up this character around their friends as like the guy that um 
you know, the guy that gambles on anything and it's funny to watch and like, so, and for me, it was, it was success. That was, that was really what I was trying to chase. It wasn't, you know, let me chase this good feeling, you know, to be honest, like I would, I would win money and it didn't feel that great. Like, cause it was kind of like, okay, this is, it just felt like a stepping stone. I felt like, okay, this is natural progression. I need to, I need to do more, you know? Okay. So the reason I wanted you to share that story is because I honestly see it as a really big metaphor for life that we can all relate to, right? Yours happen to be through the lens of playing poker, sabotaging yourself and getting into tens of thousands of dollars of debt. But who else hasn't been in your shoes chasing an identity or a definition of success that doesn't feel good to them? We were chasing this never-ending target, seeking fulfillment for me. And, you know, I think most of society is conditioned to believe success is you go to college, you get a degree, you work in corporate, you climb the ladder, you collect all these things, and you will get happy, and then you retire and die. And for me, I chased the societal norms. You're right, this definition of success, and it wasn't fulfilling. And I remember uh, last year, 2021, was this coined term, the great resignation. And I think a lot of people finally hit that wall that they had been chasing success and fulfillment and found that their current trajectory, the current path was empty. And so now can you share more about how you've, one, changed this identity and definition of success? But what I loved, something you shared with me is that business can be a spiritual practice. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. So for me, um, after I left, after I stopped playing poker and started the business with my friend, it was still very much, success was still very much, um, directed at making money like I needed to be making money to see that as successful because that was kind of the the indicator I suppose you know if I make a million dollars I'm I'm successful um it wasn't until like about four years in and starting to end because we were doing e-commerce that I started to go yeah this isn't really that fulfilling and I'm not don't love anything that we are doing so there was like a part of me that needed that feeling um and I knew I wanted to work with people so I started an agency um but again it was still similar to e-commerce in the way that it was a little bit like you know sell something deliver something there wasn't a heap of communication between me and the client that was like super fulfilling because I think it was kind of like just looked at as an employee you know someone that gets stuff done very transactional yeah. yeah um but I also realized at the time that more of the people that I was working with needed a consultant someone to work with them rather than an agency they just weren't ready for that and there were other things that needed to be set up that they needed help with um so I started doing that and working with people. I think really seeing like their 
them and their business transform was just much more fulfilling and enjoyable for me and really made me feel like I was making a difference. And like that sort of, Mm. that's when I really think that I got the idea of what business is about. You know, you always get told that you've got to solve a problem and you've got to um, serve people and that's the way to get things done. But I don't think that that really hit home for me until I actually started doing it and felt like, okay, like this is less about the money now. Like this is more so around. Now I'm a big believer in like your business growing means you can help more people. So it doesn't mean that making money is bad because I'm, I think quite the opposite, but I do think that it becomes the byproduct of serving people and just, just looking to help for the sake of helping because that feels good. Like that's like seeking that for me was a a big, big switch. And when I started becoming a lot more successful too, you know, I think it's a lot easier to be, to know why you're trying to develop yourself alongside the business. Cause I do think that I suppose on that spiritual side, one of the reasons I think that it's the spiritual practice is that your business can't exceed your own personal growth. Like I really think that you have to become the person that that business needs to be at a certain level. Okay. Well, hold on. I was just taking notes. One thing you kind of took the words out of my mouth, but what I was hearing from you is when you shifted perspective from making money, that success equals making money and you turned it more into you really enjoyed helping people and that became your fulfillment. Money was the byproduct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it just comes naturally, I suppose. with yes. business. Okay. So, and here's what I think ultimately we're saying. Because if you're chasing something, if you're chasing success, chasing love, chasing money from a quantum physics aspect, which I love talking energy and manifesting, if you're chasing, it means you don't have, which means you're separate from. But instead, when you shift into helping and connecting and leveling up yourself, what I love how you just said, business has to do with your own personal growth in different levels. Here's an example. I shared with a client today. When I first started coaching, I charged $500. One, I just needed to get started. I needed the practice. I needed client testimonials. And I didn't know my worth. I needed to get started. This is a few years ago. And it's not until I create my own self-worth, what I believe the value I provide, that's what's led me to, quote, increasing my prices, but attracting very different kinds of people. Mm. As an example, I still charge on the very low end compared to many people in my industry, but I know somebody who currently charges, are you ready for this? I'm glad you're sitting down. She charges 150 grand to work with her one-on-one and that's a three months. I don't know how many calls, but anyway, so this individual is charging $50,000 a month to work with her. Yeah, Ralph. She's created that self-worth and people are paying it. So I, I love how you said that. And ultimately it's also just... Um, it's mirroring our own self-worth. 
Yeah. So, so when you shifted your definition of success in your own identity and loving the fulfillment of helping business owners transform, right? Is that what you're saying? Then, I mean, did your income and sales and clients, was there a huge shift? Did you see this big shift in the graph or it's been over time? Um, no, there was definitely, there was definitely a shift because I think that um, ultimately getting on a call with someone and being face to face, I think people are looking for like, you know, what do you get out of this? Yeah. Like they're looking at like whether or not they can trust you. And I think, um, no, I, I never wanted, I, I still thought that it was good business to like look after someone and not burn your reputation or anything like that. But I think if people can kind of tell that it's very transactional, um, it is kind of like, okay, this person's just in it for the money. It just doesn't right. quite sell me. And that's, I, I just think that's completely intuitive. I yeah. think that we're very intuitive when we're face to face with people and get to see what they're about. So like, I think I definitely noticed an energy shift on sales calls when it wasn't, I wasn't attached to getting a sale. I was attached uh, to, can I help? That that immediately shifted um, my conversion rate because I wasn't, like you're saying, I wasn't like trying to chase it. I wasn't like, I need this sale. It was just, if it happens here, it happens here yeah. because I wanted to serve and they felt that I could serve. It definitely compounded though more over time. Like I, because I, I, even with that shift, I think you still have early on in business, you're still going to have one month do really well, another month a little bit slower, one month does really well, you know, nothing the next month. It's just kind of starting off when things first start get going. I want to ask you, because this has been my experience. When I am focused, when I am clear, when I am high energy, when I'm feeling in flow, Things happen quickly and easily. When I'm in self-doubt, I'm questioning things, I'm trying to do too much at once, my energy is so diluted, I actually make zero progress. Have you experienced that? Yeah, but 100%. I think that, um, I, I think we all experience, and we were talking about this behind the scenes, that whole shiny object syndrome, and yeah. we kind of chase things. And I think that it's very easy to like, build up your to-do list so that you feel busy and you feel like you're doing lots. Maybe that's even a bit of validation because you can tell people that you're doing lots of things. Yeah. But the reality is like, I feel like the success comes from when you are focused on like the things that need to get done and how you're showing up with those things, like how effective you're being with them rather than, you know, oh, I'm going to create, 10 TikToks and I'm going to post three times to LinkedIn and then I'm going to create a website and all these doing, doing, doing things that yeah. like aren't moving the needle either. Yeah. Like the stuff that really moves the needle for a business, it's, it's typically only a few actions. And I think that people try to add on a lot of other things that they're nice, but in reality, it's kind of like, if you focus on the things that grow the business that aren't building lots of things behind the scenes, you could hire someone else to come in and help you 
do that other stuff and you can keep focusing on that stuff that's moving the needle. Cause I think that's at the end of the day, sales is a very energetic thing. And if people, if you're not converting on sales calls because you're tired, you look burnt out, you're like frantic and you kind of feel like you need the sale to make up for all the time you spent building lots of things. Yeah. So I I just think that, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say on the energy aspect, you're right. And we can all feel it, whether or not you've walked into a store or a building or a room and you can feel tension or if it doesn't feel good or you're like, oh, this feels so like we all know what energy is. And you're right. And I also believe every single human is in sales, right? We're selling ourselves in a relationship. We're selling ourselves for a job. And I don't mean that in a bad term at all, but it is constantly exchanging for energy. And I guess my question for you is even six months ago or a year ago, how have you changed personally and energetically? And now how are you seeing that um, in the business? Um, Personally, I think in terms of how I show up differently would be just thinking bigger. Um, I I sort of mentioned this to you earlier. I just think that when you get started, there's always that like um, ceiling of like what you want to make. Um, I think you sort of, we always underestimate or undersell ourselves on like what we can do. So for me, I think it's just been thinking about bigger opportunities rather than getting stuck in like, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this so then I can do this. So then I can do this. And it's kind of like, why don't you just go to the, the bigger thing right away? Like we always kind of trying to prove ourselves to mm. be able to think bigger. I think it's like, just go straight to it. Uh, well, okay. Sense? So yeah, to <laughs> me, it sounds kind of like that quantum leap. And, and I, and I have a friend of mine who, um, great tech guy, but that's kind of something he was chasing all these small, I think what he thought were more certain ways of doing business but I was like dude what and 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 it was killing his energy I was like why don't you drop all that little shit and go all in on just that one big thing but but you're right it's like well if there's self-doubt you got to deal with or feeling unworthy like well I don't think I could charge ten thousand dollars well you're right if you don't think you could then you're definitely not gonna earn that what have you done to like talk yourself into these bigger, I call them like BHAGs, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals. How do you talk yourself into it? I, I sort of, I look at it as I think there's going for certain things, certain actions towards it, that it's going to feel, you're going to feel like the imposter but you do it anyway. Mm. I like that. That's the biggest part. I think it's like, I think there's a lot of people looking to, there's definitely some mindset work and some shifts that need to happen around that can help us get past some feelings and stuff like that. But I do think that there's an element of just doing it anyway. I think like no matter what, you're always going to feel 
like an imposter or like that thing's like too hard to achieve. I think as soon as you, I think if you're not feeling that, I actually kind of, and then this may just be me personally. Yeah. I'm not motivated by the stuff that like I know I can achieve. Like I'm not motivated by like, oh, I could go and create a $500 course and just sell that and make, you know, do 10 of 10 sales of that each month. You know, that that's kind of not super motivating to me as much as like a, a bigger goal. That's like, wow, that's probably going to take me 10 years to get to that or 20 years or 30 years. Like, I think that, yeah, a big part of it is just stepping into the fact that it's, you're going to, you're probably going to fail a lot. It's probably going to feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But just do it anyway. Okay. So on that time thing, and not to go down this rabbit hole, but I have to just a little bit. Time is an illusion. So if you think it's going to take you 10 years to reach that business goal, it may take you 10 years. And instead, what I've taught myself to do is I can have this big, hairy, audacious goal. I can have this end desire, but I detach from the outcome. So I let go of the how and the when. And my focus is internal, creating that belief, showing up consistently, putting my energy in that space. Like, okay, if if I want a seven-figure business, well, what does a seven-figure entrepreneur show up as? How are they thinking and being? What are their morning rituals, routines? Who are they surrounding themselves with? So I guess I think of it more that way. And then something else you touched on at the end there. Um, what was the last thing you said? Um, do it anyway. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, the best way to build confidence is to take action. Right. And, and failure, I I'd like to debunk that a little bit because I, I don't believe in failure. I love the acronym first attempt in learning for fail because yeah. I think, well, a big thing, a big fear for most people is fear of failure. So they don't even go and try the thing getting out of their comfort zone because they don't want to fail. And I'm more like go and fail as many times as you need to, because you learn along the way, right? Like Edison, with the light bulb, he quote failed ten thousand times. But did he really fail? No, it took him ten thousand tries, but he figured it out. Yeah, but I think no, I, I completely embracing. agree. Yeah, we got to learn to embrace that discomfort because that's where the growth and expansion, quote success, the money, whatever it is you desire, it's outside of the known. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I think that um, I I think it's we've got a lot of negative connotations around words like fail or mistake or muck ups or incomplete and like, so list could go on, but I think it's that there is like a negative feeling attached to those things. Like I think that's a big one that um, when we were younger, I wish that there was probably a focus on, well, they weren't, um, negatively associated i'd love to hear from you what are things that you do whether it's like a morning ritual morning routine what are you doing to help you stay clear focused and showing up every day what are you doing um look it's funny because like i had a 
my old morning routine used to be get up at 4am. I would drive down to like the waterfront near, um, near my house where I meet up with a friend. We do a workout. Then we jump into the cold water at like quarter to five in the morning. It'd be absolutely freezing. Um, come home and like journal and meditate and then get into work. And to be honest, I'd come back. I, when I started work, I was pretty exhausted because I had like kind of spent so much energy doing this, doing this other stuff. So, yeah. but I know other people who can do that and they, that works for them to come into the day right. So like my, my routine at the moment is get up, um, I go hang out with my dogs, I make a coffee and I get into work relatively, I'll have a shower and get to work. So it's like, I just give myself about an hour after waking up to get into it and, and do things. Um, but there's no, just the stuff that needs to be done. Yeah. Anyway, I, I found that worked really well for me because then later on in the day for my breaks, I can go to the gym, I can like meditate or journal and, and that's where I found that worked for me. So yeah. I suppose like yeah, that's my routine, but I've, I think for anyone, it's kind of like really find what works for but you because I- you could be someone that works best at, 1 to 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> There's people like that. I love what you share there because number one, I would agree less and less is more. My morning, what I do in the mornings has changed over time. And and even then, because I, I love that the morning routine, you can derive the word rut. So anything you keep doing over and over again, at some point, you kind of just get in this monotony. And that's when you got to change things up. So you're right. There is not one way you don't have to get at, at 4 a.m. You don't need a 21-step morning routine. It can be very basic and simple. And I'm at the point I wake up and I do like to sit in a meditation that's just very intentional and mindful for me. Plus, it helps my energy. And I go to the gym for the movement. That's my time. And then I take on the day to serve others. That's just what works for me right now. Yeah, well, and, and I, I think that's, it, it is like that, isn't it? It's like whatever works for you. Like, yeah. I, I really have some friends that do their best work between 12 and 3 a.m. when no one else is awake, and then they sleep in until 11 a.m. the next day before they get started on the day. You know? Yeah. So I, I really think whatever works for you. So it's like yeah. just test stuff out. For sure. I love that. Okay. So here's a question because we, we touched yeah. on several different things. What do you believe is a key takeaway you want listeners to get? I think that idea of think bigger. I think, uh, I think a lot of um, problems come from focusing on smaller problems that aren't really problems and also not having a goal that that's big enough. Yeah. I think like, for instance, we talk about pricing, we talk about um, your self-worth and everything like that. And I think that it is important to sell what feels 
in line with your self-worth. But at the same time, you know, it is so much harder to sell at a lower hourly rate, you know, and, and you could package up your services, but you're still kind of working with an hourly rate within that package. So um, if it's $3,000 to work with you for three months, how many more people do you need as opposed to if you were selling it at $10,000 for three months? Like it's working with less people. It's so much easier to manage. You probably need to get on less sales calls to continue to enroll people. Like I'm a big believer. I think people really pigeonhole themselves into, you know, this is my self-worth and I'll only go up by $200 each time I increase my prices. Like so much better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, and I, and I wish that more people were able to sort of give themselves the time to go, you know, let me, let me really think about what this is worth to someone else and, and try to charge that rather than, you know, I'll, maybe they'll pay this. So I'll, I'll try and do that. So it's really easy for them. And I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and, you know, yeah. I think just think bigger. You got to talk. I love um, a quote I know is know your worth and then add tax. So when you know your own worth and you truly believe it, then it's really not hard to sell because you know what you bring to the table. Yeah. 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 100%. I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. Let's do it. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Um, How you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. I love that one too. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Um, Stolen Focus by Johan Harrison. What's that about? It's about, um, he's talking about how our focus is sort of being affected by a lot of the things in the world. He talks a lot about social media and phones, but also how this trend was happening before all of that as well, that mm-hmm. our attention span is decreasing and what we can do to sort of, what he believes we can do to try and um, get our focus back. Fair enough. All right, final question. What advice would you give your younger self? What came to mind for me um, was stuff around like um, tell your dad to put money in Apple. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think, Back then, it would be, I'd probably advise myself to get into marketing sooner. Yeah. But at the same time, you entered exactly when you were meant to, you know? Yeah. I I don't think I would change it. But I mean, if we're, if I could, um, I think it would have been, it would have been interesting to see how I would go about (laughs) Um, starting my journey earlier. Yeah, for sure. Job, thank you so much for joining me and, and sharing your story and background and success and identity and, and all these different things with me. No, thank you very much for having me on, Heather. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. 
You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.